Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, we're continuing our series, The Mysteries of the Kingdom, today with a message entitled, How to Know the State of Your Heart. So let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, verses 30 to 37, as we join Dr. Newfeld now. I'm reading Matthew 12, 30 to 37. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. You know, we live in a day which in some ways is unlike any day the human race has ever known. I'm referring here to the amount of words we are subjected to and also to the words that we speak. Consider the words to which we are subjected books, the airwaves, electronic media, and more. We are now bombarded with more words than any other generation in history. Now let's consider the words we speak. Today, we not only say things just like people said in every generation before us, but we put our own words out there. Our Facebook page is filled with personal information, and if we want, we can tweet or blog. You know, because I'm a bit of a dinosaur, I'm constantly surprised when people tell me the things my kids are up to. I didn't know anything about it, and then I learned I was on their Facebook page. Well, to the most part, I like this world of words. But I'm haunted by a little line that's found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10:19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now, if I understand Jesus rightly, he's telling us that the words we speak indicate to us whether our heart is healthy or diseased. Our words are a diagnosis of our internal condition. So let's clarify. When the Bible speaks about the heart, it speaks about the center of our being, the the principal part. You know, we in our culture use the word heart in very much the same manner. So, for instance, when we have a conversation about anything and someone says, you know, that's all fine, but but let's get to the heart of the matter. Well, they mean, let's get down to the central issue of what we're discussing. Let's not be distracted by peripheral matters. We're interested in the main thing, the, the essential thing. So when we talk about a person's heart, we are talking about them, that is, who they are essentially. That refers to their thoughts and feelings, decisions and actions and attitudes, the sum total of what they are. When we talk about someone's heart, we're talking not about one isolated thing a person did that may or may not have been out of character, but who they essentially are, that is, their true self. And the real problem is that for many of us, we don't know who we are, that is, essentially. In a world of words and of facts and thoughts on everything, in a world where we're often told that we're supposed to get in touch with ourselves, and yet, so many of us are unable to discern the state of our hearts. 
Imagine as an illustration a culture of very primitive people that don't have mirrors. You know, in this culture, no one knows what they look like. I mean, how can they? And that's how we function as well. What does my heart, the the real essence of myself, really look like? See, many of us deceive ourselves in this matter, and we're always flattering ourselves. But according to Jesus, you can know what you look like. There really is an objective mirror that will show you very clearly who you are, that is, what your heart looks like. Are you ready to look in the mirror? Are you afraid to? Do you know why it's so necessary to know your heart? You know, today we're going to try to answer some of those questions. Now, Jesus didn't just sit down one day and reflect about our hearts and how words we speak tell us about our hearts. I mean, the background to this teaching about the heart and about our words has to do with a severe disagreement between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus was driving out demons and causing many people to consider if he actually were the Messiah. And the Pharisees, who were trying to stop Jesus, immediately went on the offensive. And they said something. That is, they spoke words. And the words were a mirror into their heart. They said, Jesus is actually in league with the devil. When he drives out demons, he's doing this out of satanic power. And in answering them, Jesus pointed out how irrational and absurd such a statement actually was. But in that context, he had something to say about our words and what they tell us about our essential selves. So notice first, he warns the Pharisees. He says, if they speak against the Holy Spirit, they will never be forgiven. Now, if you heard my previous message on this matter, you heard me speaking about the unforgivable sin. And I pointed out then that the unforgivable sin is not a repeated habitual sin, nor is it some kind of mortal sin that, you know, can't be forgiven. Rather, it refers to the sin of the Pharisees who, although seeing all the evidence for the truth of Jesus, still rejected him. They knew the truth, but chose to be defiant of the truth and lead others astray. They knew Jesus was sent from God, but their hatred of him overcame everything else. And so they spoke words of condemnation of Jesus and attempting to stop him and attempting to get people to stop believing him as well. Now, that didn't mean the Pharisees thought of themselves as bad people. In fact, they were just the kind of people who had no idea what they really looked like. See, if you'd asked them, what's the state of your heart or what kind of a person are you? Well, they would have said, we're righteous men. And the reason they thought that is in their estimation, they had kept the law of God. I mean, they knew there were 613 different laws in the Old Testament, and they would have told you that they had learned to become blameless. So even if they occasionally said the most outrageous things like like accusing Jesus of being in league with the devil— Yet in their heart, at their essence, they thought they were righteous. So behind all of this discussion is one that should interest us as well. What makes a person good or bad? At heart, who are we? Because we don't have a mirror that looks at our heart. How do we get insight? You know, in Jesus' dispute with the Pharisees, he outlines how to track or how to examine how we're doing spiritually. He holds a mirror to our hearts, invites us to take a look. You know, first he says, there really are objective indicators to the state of our hearts. Look again at verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make a tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So please notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, you know, some trees are simply bad and some are simply good. Rather, he says, make a tree good or make a tree bad. 
You know, trees are made to be good or bad, and that has a lot to do with with how the tree is cultivated. See, I want you to hold that thought for now, and we're going to return to that. But, but for now, let's just notice that Jesus notes that a tree is cultivated to be either good or bad. And then he makes the next point. Examine the fruitfulness of the tree, and you'll see how it was cultivated. In other words, you don't need a report on, on how the farmer worked on the tree. You need only to walk up to it and examine its fruit. You can know everything about the history and the progress of that tree by simply reaching out and inspecting the fruit. The fruit itself is the objective indicator of how well the tree is doing. Okay, but what is the fruit and and what are we talking about? Well, in the context of the passage we're reading, fruit has to do with what the Pharisees are saying about Jesus. You know, they've just said, this man has been led by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. You know, that statement, those words were fruit. Their statements about him was an accurate indicator of how their heart was cultivated or the kind of men they had become. Now, of course, the image of fruit comes up more times in Jesus. You know, for instance, in Matthew 7, 15 to 16, he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them, he said, by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So the teaching of the false prophets and their action, how they impacted others, well, that was an accurate depiction of who they actually are. I mean, no matter what they tell you about themselves, their fruit is the picture of their heart. The outside external action accurately reflects what's on the inside. You know, when Paul in Galatians 5 mentions the fruit of the flesh, well, he includes things like sensuality, jealousy, and fits of anger, strife, and so forth. And then he contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit, which includes things like love and joy and peace, patience, and so forth. And in each case, the fruit, which are the actions of a person, tells you the health of the tree, or to put it in our terms, the the health of their heart. If you want to know who someone is in their essence, that is who they truly are, examine the fruit or examine what they say and how they act. grateful you joined us today for Back to the Bible Canada. We believe faithful Bible teaching is critical for God's people, and your support is critical in making the daily Bible teaching program with Dr. Newfeld available on this station. We do know, though, that there are times when it's not possible to listen on the radio. So for your convenience, we provide a number of free listening options. Listen online at backtothebible.ca. Sign up for the daily podcast. Subscribe for the free mobile app or check out the weekly Truth and Life Today video broadcast on the Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel. Just a few of the free Bible teaching opportunities available for Canadians and around the globe, but only available because of the passion and generosity of so many across this country. Thanks for all you do. Call us today with your support or for ministry information at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. You know, some of us struggle with Jesus' statement that a tree is known by its fruit, or, or to put it, I guess, another way, our external actions are an accurate reflection of our internal character. And some of us don't want to believe that. And we talk about acting out of character. 
we want to make the point that sometimes we say things or do things that are, you know, they're hiccups or brain cramps or little bits of insanity. And of course that can be, but we might be surprised that others see a repeated pattern where we quickly discount it. But of course, Jesus is not done. Look again at verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now you notice that Jesus is building on his theme. The words that a person speaks on top of the actions that people do, well, they're an accurate indicator of who the person is, that is, their essential being. Now, I want you to notice the word translated in our translation, the ESV, as abundance, out of the abundance of the heart. Now, probably that word might have been better translated as surplus or overflow. So what comes out of your mouth is from the surplus or the overflow of your heart. And the image is quite profound. It's not that Jesus was telling the Pharisees that they had a bad inner character and therefore they were speaking bad things. The image, that's more troublesome than that. Let me quote to you from John Chrysostom, who was commenting on this passage. He said, the tongue through shame often does not pour out all of its wickedness, but the heart having no human witness fearlessly gives birth to whatever evils it will. So when you hear a man speak wicked words, do not suppose only so much wickedness to be in him as his words display. Instead, imagine the fountain to be much more abundant. For that which is spoken outwardly is but the superabundance or the surplus of that which is within. You know, in other words, the mouth only speaks of those things that overflow from the heart. It's not the ultimate expression of the heart. So imagine a volcano like Mount St. Helens. You know, when it blew, it didn't pour out all the lava that existed underneath it. It only blew out the overflow or the surplus. So much more is still in the earth. You know, this is but the surplus, not the full amount. The same may be said about all of our words. They're the overflow, not the depths of what the heart is made out of. Now, now at this point, we need to take a bit of a detour from this text and speak very plainly. See, if you're a believer, you've received a new nature, and because of that, you need to cultivate that new heart. A passage like Philippians 4 verse 8 is essential for all of us. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, here's the issue. No one but God knows what you're thinking about and how you're cultivating your inner self. It's easy to allow our inner thinking to become dominated by things like rumors and slander, anger, envy, revenge, ungratefulness, lust, sexual impurity, bitterness, greed, and want. No one but God knows that these kinds of thoughts are nurtured and watered and they grow and are pruned deep within us. We think the thoughts within us are safe, that they're safely walled in. On the outside, we can easily give a different face, but, but eventually that tree will bear fruit. Or to use another image, the depths of the heart will overflow. 
And so those who are around us often hear us saying things that, that we say are uncharacteristic of our hearts, like statements critical of others or judgmental statements, or we offer the occasional off-color joke, or we remark that this seems to display greed, or we slander another and speak evil of them, all that kind of stuff. That's the overflow of our heart. But we slough it off. We think of this kind of stuff as uncharacteristic of who we really are. See, I'm really loving, we tell ourselves, but, but sometimes I just get off track and, and say negative things about others. But our speech betrays us, for our speech is but the surplus of a whole awful lot more that resides deeply at the center of our affections. But if, on the other hand, we're cultivating what is pure and lovely rather than that which is impure and ugly, that also has an overflow in the kind of thinking we have. I mean, we've all met people like that, loving who want to believe the best about others, who have an attitude of encouragement, who stand for righteousness, who cultivate honor in themselves and others, people we would be safe to share our deepest struggles. It works both ways, whether good or evil, our words actually betray us. So to the Pharisees, Jesus simply tells them that their words are giving them away. When they slander him, they reflect but a surplus and overflow of what's in their heart. And Jesus knows that what is in their heart is, is murder and an intense hatred of God. They're not righteous men at all. You shouldn't look at the law that they pretend to keep, but the words they say. They hate God enough that if they could, they would kill even him. That is who they are. Now, here's an awful truth. John Chrysostom said, when we condemn others, it is not they who are condemned. It is we who are. You see it? For our souls have become exposed. The surplus of ugliness is, is pouring out of us. We wanted to believe that our critical statements of others is only the desire that things were, you know, were right, but we're lying to ourselves. I mean, don't you see that? We're exposing the deep wickedness in our heart. And once you know that, you know that your words are the mirror into your heart. You know, for some of us, this may seem frightening, for we've been telling ourselves that our verbal miscues and our willingness to speak evil of others is not who we are within. We say things like, I, you know, I just don't know what came over me, as if it were kind of a mental hiccup rather than an accurate mirror to the heart. But we are wrong. And before we can be healed, we need to become honest about the disease. You know, I once heard of a woman with breast cancer who simply put a tissue under her bra to hide the cancer that had now eaten its way out and exposed raw flesh. And she continued to hide what was happening, refusing to go to the doctor because she was terrified by what was there, so she decided not to face it. But to hide from our own sin is death. If we want to live, we must face it. How few of us will have the courage to do a moral inventory and face the cancer that needs to be healed? Now to verses 36 and 37. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, simply read the passage by itself, you know, and that might seem like, you know, a doctrine of works. I mean, after all, we make it to heaven by our words or make it to hell by our words, so we better train our tongue. And when we say it that way, it seems like we get to heaven by our own efforts. Well, that's not right. Of course not. So I want you to notice two things here. You know, first, we must never think that if we only cleaned up the way we speak, you know, we'd go to heaven and not to hell. That's clearly not the point of Christ's teaching. 
The words we speak are a true indicator of who we already are. They are a mirror to our heart. They express who we essentially are. We're condemned because we're essentially unrighteous. We're justified because we're essentially righteous. Again, our words are but an objective mirror that helps us to see who we truly are. Now, here's the second thing. The tree must be made good or made bad, and that's what's at stake. The bad tree is not helped by trying hard to produce good fruit. No, the bad tree must first be made into a good tree. And then and only then can it produce what is good. And that's why we must submit to the skillful tree farmer to cultivate our souls. And what does that mean? Well, practically, it means we've got to be born again. By nature, all of us are bad trees. We produce toxic fruit. And then once being born again, our hearts are made new, but our hearts must also be constantly pruned until we reach our heavenly home. So again, what does this mean? Simply this, you must be made righteous in order to be righteous. And that's the work of the tree farmer. At conversion, when we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord, we're born again and given a new heart, a heart that essentially loves God and the things of God. But once having been born again, we must submit to the means of grace that God has given us. And that includes feeding on the Scripture and practicing the grace of repentance and regularly placing ourselves under the preaching of the Word and the practicing of the grace of Christian fellowship in which we learn to love the brother and the sister. But hear me. If we practice Christian disciplines, but the heart has not yet been born again, all of that is to no avail. Christ has to change you from within. Well, John, you've caused a lot of thought in my own mind, my own heart, and the things that I say, and I need to examine those things. But what would you say to somebody that says, you know, that's just who I am. That's just how I've been created. I mean, uh, this sort of idea that just accept me the way I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that gets said so often. And it's said really because we, we discount the sin that lives within us. But, you know, I, I know that we're born into sin, but we also need to grasp a hold of the truth that we have cultivated our sin. That is, who we have become is because we have cultivated a tree to be this way. In our imagination, in our in our thoughts, we have cultivated wickedness. We have, you know, we have thought, you know, evil thoughts about others. We've treasured lust in our hearts. There are all sorts of things that live within us that we have that we have willingly and freely chosen. And every once in a while, that that evil just leaks out, and that's what Jesus is talking about. So when we say, you know, this is just how I am, let's be honest. That's who I have become. Thanks so much, John. Remember to join us again next week right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. Visiting the Promised Land never loses its appeal. That's why I feel it's so important to offer Back to the Bible Canada Israel Experience April 27th to May 6th, 2019. If you're able, 
taking the time to discover Jerusalem, the garden tomb, Sea of Galilee, King David's city, the list goes on and on. Well, that will transform your understanding of the Bible and offer a spiritual impact like perhaps nothing else can on this earth. So consider joining me in Israel and I'll do my best to bring every location to life and allow the Spirit of God to minister to your heart and mind. It all offers great fellowship and refreshment that sets the stage for new lifelong friendships. So consider joining us and for more information, please call 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.